Well, hello there, listener, and welcome to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall, and if you've been a fan of the show, like you've listened to the deep cuts, you know this will not be our very first woo-woo episode, but if you are newer to the show, it's been a while since we had something that we talked about a bit of the woo, uh, so brace yourself. I'm not, you know, I'm pretty sure this is the first woo-woo episode I've done with uh, producer Eric, so Eric just brace yourself back there. Uh, I'll be very curious to hear how Eric feels about this episode on the other side of this. Uh, And I've wanted to do this episode for a while, uh, but I hesitated. I'm going to admit that because I believe that today's episode topic, really, you've got like two opposed camps. You've got the people who on one side are like real true believers. And if you try to challenge their belief in manifesting you're stirring the pot and you got to brace yourself. And then you got the other people on the other end who are like, that is mumbo jumbo. I want nothing to do with it. And the concern with that is like, you're not going to be taken seriously if you even talk about manifesting with those people. So I would like to invite you listener somewhere in the middle with me where maybe you hang up. If you're in one of those camps, you like let that disbelief be suspended. And you join me in this conversation where we really look at the practice of manifesting. What do we know from a science perspective? What are our true unknowns? And what could we learn that might be useful from that exploration of this thing that's called manifesting? So let's get to it. Let's go beyond manifesting together. So if we put ourselves in our little time machine and go back to 2006, I was still an undergrad. Uh, Maybe you or someone you loved at the time read the book, The Secret. Or I didn't know this until I was researching this episode that there was also a film of the same name. Um, So The Secret was a self-help book and apparently film uh, by Rhonda Byrne back in 2006. And it focused on this idea of the law of attraction. So the law of attraction is a set of spiritual beliefs where you believe that whatever you think creates your reality. And to take that a step further, that if you have negative thought patterns, you're drawing into your life negative events. And so if you want to change your life, you have to change how you feel so that you draw different things in. And the cliche example, which I'm gonna go with the cliche example because we're sharing these ideas, the cliche example is money. So if you're always worried about money, you're fretting about money, you're obsessing about money, you're stressing about money, that stress is in your body and manifests into a life where you never feel like you have enough money, enough resources, that stress has a negative feedback loop in your life. But if you feel you create the emotional state where you have everything you need and you live as though you have everything you need, then you create a positive feedback loop. And because you're in a positive state of being, money flows back into you. You like attract the money that you want, etc. I warned you at the beginning, this was going to be a woo-woo episode. Here we are. <laughs> so the law of attraction, the secret, it became famous back in you know, the late 
aughts, the late 2000s, because really famous people like Oprah and Deepak Chopra, they started talking about it publicly. They had um, it featured on their show. I know you can still find a lot of stuff about manifesting on Oprah's website, which I did for this episode. Um, but if you are uninitiated, if somehow you have not been exposed to this idea of manifesting, let's unpack it, okay? So manifesting is using this idea of the law of attraction to create whatever it is that you desire in your life, your reality. And typically a manifesting practice goes something like this. So you start by getting really specific with the universe about what it is that you want. And so if I say money, I don't just say, oh, I want money. I say like, I want to make $2 million next year. And I want to make $2 million by selling a best-selling book and going on a book tour and then getting a movie deal, right? Like I'm, I'm getting specific about the details, not just money, but how and what and how much. And then I try to create the feeling in myself right now as if I have already obtained the emotional state, the outcomes, the state of being that I would feel as if I had already done it. And then you try to maintain that feeling indefinitely. So you're just trying to constantly renew the emotional and, and physical feeling well of what would it be like if, for this example, I had $2 million I made next year. And then somehow, magically, through the power of the law of attraction, the universe will bring to me the thing that I am like creating the state of being of. So that's manifesting. And the question is, does it work? Well, you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. And today we are going beyond manifesting, asking that very same question. Does that work? So one of the really interesting things about being an elder millennial is since 2006, as cell phones and social media has become more and more ubiquitous, kind of had this front row seat of watching believers in the law of attraction use science through social media to distribute some ideas to explain and justify this idea of the law of attraction and manifesting and why it's real. So I want to share some of these scientific arguments of, of why, you know, the argument that manifesting is real and what science actually tells us about them and then later in the episode, we're also going to go into like, where is it getting it right? So buckle up. All right. So it starts with this idea of subjective reality. So the people who are using science to defend the law of attraction will say that our subjective reality, you know, our reality is shaped, our experience is shaped by our subjective interpretation of what's happening. And so it, that subjective relationship then shapes reality with us. All right, let's unpack that a little bit. So subjective reality, we are all the product of our lived experiences and we all interpret what's going on around us. So none of us has all of the information or a perfect representation of the world. And where we focus our attention, how we choose to deal with our challenges, all of that does actually shape our experience and our interpretation. And if you doubt any of that, like if, if you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I believe in subjective reality. I don't know if I believe in that like shifting lens of interpretation and experience. 
here's a little experiment you could run on yourself. Why don't you intentionally cause, cause yourself to have either a caffeine or a sugar spike and crash. And then when you're feeling kind of crummy, try to have a difficult conversation with your partner or like one of your parents. Or maybe don't do that. But uh, I know that I have unintentionally done this a couple of times. I've talked about on the show before. Uh, sometimes Matt will notice that I'm a bit mean to him in the afternoon. So if it's 2 p.m. and I'm being snarky, he knows that I need, haven't eaten enough that day. And he'll literally just hand me a snack because I get hangry. And the trick there is like, I don't always catch it in myself, right? My perception is affected by that same state. So I can't perceive myself clearly. I need the input from the outside. So to me, you know, this subjective reality shaping law of attraction argument, yeah, we shape our subjective reality, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just by thinking about something, I can change my state because there's all these, you know, physical factors and there's also the factors of society around me. So that's one place that I think that manifesting gets the argument a little bit wrong and a little bit right, right? Like my mindset and where I focus does matter, but maybe not so much that I can just think my way into success. Okay, so my next favorite argument that I see out on the internet that justifies the law of attraction as real is through quantum mechanics. Uh, this is not a physics podcast. I'm not going to go too deep into the physics, but in order to explain why this is wrong, we've got to understand physics a little bit. So if you accept, like, if you know anything about physics, you probably know that all physical observable reality is made up of atoms. So like this water bottle has atoms in it that make it hard so that I can't just like squish my fingers through it. And then atoms are made up of subatomic particles, right? Smaller than an atom, subatomic. And so if you go down to these subatomic particles, these little teeny, teeny, tiny fabric of reality, like an electron, you know, they can either be a physical particle, like I'm describing, or they can show up in the world as a wave, like an energy wave. So if you think of like light waves or sound waves, particle waves, are that subatomic structure. And again, without going like too crazy in the detail here, the difference between an electron showing up as a particle or an electron showing up as a wave is literally whether or not it's being observed in an experiment or observed like being acted upon by some kind of force. So that is called the observer effect. And it gets misinterpreted all over the internet. Law of attraction people will say that we could actually shift the phase of the electron and the subatomic particle with our minds. So if you just think about the electrons, they'll appear wherever the observer is thinking. And they then say that if that's the case, then your thinking is actually building the fabric of reality at the subatomic level. And through the power of our minds, we can change how the state of physical reality works. But that is not actually how the observer effect works. <laughs> um, so it's not that the science, the scientist, excuse me, who's doing the observation is thinking about the electron and it changes the state, which is what those pseudoscience arguments are saying. 
It's actually that the experiment to detect the particle, whether it's a particle or a wave, is interacting with that, in this case, electron or whatever subatomic particle we're talking about. And it's the interaction that changes the state. Just like if I shoved somebody, they would fall over if I shoved them hard enough, right? I'm making contact and I'm causing an effect in them. I'm knocking a domino over, it knocks the next domino. If you interact with the particle, it manifests as a particle instead of a wave. It's not magic. It's just misinterpreted science that's leading people astray. And there's lots of other places like this where science gets manipulated, where people will say they've proven something, but that's not really how it works. And so in this case, they're saying they proved manifesting. Maybe you're thinking, so what? Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and we're going to go beyond manifesting. We're looking at the science around this idea of manifesting and what could we actually learn in that exploration. But I want to talk about why it matters. So there's three reasons that I think that it matters that we unpack this conversation. And the first one is selfish. I'm going to own it. Um, I don't like being lumped into a space where people don't take what I do seriously because other people who are saying things inaccurately are also calling themselves wellness coach, right? So if somebody's out there on the internet talking about manifesting and they're a wellness coach and I'm a wellness coach, and we get lumped into the same group, maybe other people aren't going to take me very seriously with what I do either. So I don't like that. That makes me selfish. So number one is selfish. Number two is dangerous. Uh, and trigger warning for a second. We're going to talk about death very briefly. Um, maybe skip ahead if that isn't something you want to think about right now. There are a number of famous so-called wellness people out in the world and all over the internet who are promising that through manifesting, you can cure chronic illnesses and things like cancer. And I personally know people whose loved ones have stopped treatment because they have been told that they could manifest their own cures if they believed it hard enough. And those people are not with us anymore and their loved ones are devastated. And so if we're out there misrepresenting the science and convincing people to do things that are unethical, that's the place that these practices become dangerous. So first is selfish, second is dangerous, and the third is about you, which is there might be a better way for you to shape your own reality and actually get the things that you want. And science has actually shown us that way. And in my opinion, what I'm going to share next is actually the real manifesting, the, the evidence-validated manifesting tool that you can use in your own life. Um, and I want to just button that those ideas about science up by saying there is a lot about our physical reality that we don't know. So the unobservable universe, which is the universe outside of what we can detect in space and what we can measure, is vast to the point that we don't even understand how big it actually is. But within the observable universe, according to the NASA website, normal matter in the observable universe is adds up to less than 5%. So which means that the other 95% of the observable universe, the things that we are aware exist, is either dark matter, dark energy, or other things that we cannot describe, which is mind-blowing. 
there's a lot of weird stuff out there that we don't understand yet. And there's also a lot of things about the human experience that we do understand that we can measure and that we know are effective. And that's what I want to talk about now. I want to share with you some of the research on where is manifesting getting it right? And maybe where could we be doing a little bit better? And that way you can use it to be more effective in your own practice. So researcher Gabrielle Ottingen, which I wish that I spoke German so I could say her name in a way that does it justice, uh, primarily did the foundation of her work in the late 90s and early 2000s. And that pours the foundation for our beyond manifesting practice. And it's really cute how they did the first studies on this. I think it's adorable. Uh, so the first studies on this, uh, Gabrielle was studying um, fantasy. And how do we take our fantasies, our dreams, our deeply held desires and bring them to life? And they got a group of graduate students who had a crush on somebody, which I think is just like, what a great experiment design. They separated those grad students into two groups. One group imagined what it would be like to have their crush in their life, in the most vivid detail that possible. They focused on the emotional payoff. What would it feel like to hold them, to be with them, to have a relationship with them and let them fully flesh out their heart's desire as an experience for themselves. So that was group one. Group two did all of that, all of the dreaming and desiring and the wishing and hoping and praying, which is manifesting, right? Like that's manifesting. But in the second group, they also contrasted that with their current life. So it's all the manifesting stuff. And then they thought about like, okay, but what's my life like right now? And so the question they were trying to answer is, which group would be more likely to take action toward change? And the answer is the second group. So the first group was already experiencing all the emotional payoff that they'd get if they got the thing they wanted. And they kept doing this visualization where they had the thing they wanted and they felt good. They were satisfied. So they didn't need to take the risks to get the rewards. Whereas the second group would then contrast that, make themselves realize that they didn't have what they wanted, and then they'd go off and get it. That is absolutely counter to everything that manifesting tells us. So the practice of manifesting tells us that we create the change by like shifting our quantum energy fields. And what actually creates the change is getting clear on what we want and then recognizing what, where we are right now. So this technique is called mental contrasting. You get really clear on what you want and then you contrast it with where you are right now. Where you are right now is listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. We're going beyond manifesting and let's take it one step deeper because that's what Ottingen did in her research. So you might be thinking like, what is it those people who are actively changing, you know, they get, they get the, the contrast between what they want and what they've got, but then they go off and take action. What's that action look like? And that always the question when we talk about behavior change is how can we teach it to people? So I use this next bit with my clients all the time. This is one of the most important skills that I teach my clients because very often they can tell me what they don't want. And I got to shift their thinking to what do they want? How do we get clear on it? Where are they now? And then we get into this next bit. So how do we get people actually doing the steps to reach their goals. It doesn't matter if you are a, an individual, a coach or a trainer, 
that matters, right? And that's called implementation intentions. So what could we do in the next few days or weeks that closes the gap between where I am right now and all that wishing and hoping and praying that I've been doing? And how might I get in my own way? Those are the two core questions of implementation intention. So even if my outcome is way out in the distant future, instead of pretending that I've already got it, I make that big dream, then I look at where I am and I focus on the most doable, controllable steps that make progress. And whenever I think about this, I think about one of my favorite Hamilton lyrics, which is, I am the one thing in life I can control. And then if you're a Hamilton fan, you know that in my head I'm going, I am inimitable, I am original, but I'll save all of you from listening to me do the rest of that. Um, so I am the one thing in life that I can control. So when I think about that implementation intention, those doable steps and actions, I can't spend too much time focused on what that person has, what this person has, how I don't have this, how I don't... I don't have any control over any of that stuff. I'm the only thing that I can control. So I could look to what are my self-limiting beliefs? What's the story that I tell myself? What's the habit that's destructive? You know, if I think about the hangry example from earlier, the habit that's destructive is taking too long of a time between breakfast and lunch. And then it gets to be like one or two in the afternoon when my blood sugar's low and I'm mean to my husband, right? I don't want to be that person. And I don't. I got to shorten that space or make another nutritional adjustment, right? Because I'm the only thing that I can control. But how do we do that? Well, we identify the actions that we are taking that are getting in our own way. Be honest with yourself about what it is that you're doing that's holding you back. And then you make a plan for how you could choose to do something different. And you engage in something called mental rehearsal. So mental rehearsal is kind of the same skills as manifesting. You get super clear on like, what is it that I'm doing? And then you play the movie in your mind of making a different decision. So instead of practicing a fake reality where you're like feeling all the things that you wish you could feel, what you're actually practicing in your head is how to change your reality. So, you know, it's not that manifesting is bad. It's not even that manifesting soft quotes here doesn't work. It's that manifesting as we're talking about it right now is incomplete. And you have to lie about science to create the illusion that something works because we know how quantum mechanics, excuse me, we don't actually know how quantum mechanics works yet. Yet, <laughs> growth mindset yet. Um, and you're allowed to believe in whatever woo-woo that you want to believe in. But we've got science that tells us what does work. We've got replicable, reliable science that gives us a process that we can take that actually does create those outcomes. All right, so I'm going to summarize them now so that we're all on the same page here at the end. Get super clear about what it is you want in your life. Ask the universe with clarity for specifics of what you want. So that's step one, get clear. Step two, contrast those with how you're currently going about living your life right now. So what is it that you want and where are you, right? You can't 
get turn-by-turn -turn instructions from New York to LA if you don't know where that you're in New York. So get super clear on what you want. Contrast that with your current life. Number three, what could you do in the next few days or weeks that would bridge that gap, even if it's only a little bit? What steps can you take? Four, how do you get in your own way? What self-limiting beliefs, bad habits, toxic friends, places that you need to stay away from, where do you self-sabotage? And then the last step is to create your game plan on how you'll get out of your own way and mentally rehearse it. And then once you've got that next step cleared, that next hurdle passed, you do it again. Okay, same outcome. Build the payoff. Where am I now? What's my next step? And that way you're not just manifesting law of attraction. You're taking ownership of the fact that you are the one thing in life that you can control. And that way you go beyond manifesting and you make real change in your own life. And if you're a trainer or you're a coach, you're making real change in their lives. Boof. <laughs> All right. We're going to leave it there. If you have any questions about this, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, shoot me an email on LinkedIn. You just search Darlene Marshall, Instagram, I'm Darlene.coach. Email me info at Darlene.coach. If you're a fan of this show, subscribe, write us a review. You can do that on Spotify, on iTunes, anywhere that you get your podcast. Writing us a five-star review is very helpful, not just the stars, but also writing it. Uh, it does increase our ranking. And share about the show. If you share on social media, please tag me. I'm happy to reshare. Uh, that way we can get the word out about the show and help it grow. It really does help us and the network. Uh, I'm so grateful I get to do this show every week. I hope you're grateful to get it in your ears. Uh, and hopefully my producer, Eric, did not hate everything about the woo in this episode. Um, but thanks, everyone.